Good morning. It's good to see you and to be in worship with you today as we continue our study through the fruit of the Spirit. We've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and I just want us together, uh, let's put the Scripture up on the screen, let's read them together. It says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. Now, through these nine virtues, the character of Christ is developed in us and it's displayed through us. And the Holy Spirit works in us through spiritual disciplines like reading Scripture, memorizing and meditating on Scripture, prayer, worship, both privately at home or with our family and together as a church family, through disciplines like giving and serving and holding one another accountable. And, and the Spirit uses these disciplines and uses some of the other suggestions and things we've been talking about over the past few weeks to shape within us this character of Christ, this fruit. And today we're going to look at the fruit, the virtue of faithfulness. It's a part of the Spirit's fruit, and it's one that's especially needed in our relationships. And when it comes to our family and our friends and our co-workers and our church family and our community, we need the virtue of faithfulness. Now, what does it mean to be faithful? Well, in the Greek New Testament, the word is pistis. And it literally means that which evokes trust and faith. So it's not even just trust or faith itself. It's that which evokes trust or faith in us from others. Synonyms would include words like fidelity. Reliability, commitment. Faithfulness is essential to our relationships. But is faithfulness something that we can just produce in a day like that? No. By its very definition, by its very nature, faithfulness takes time to develop. We have to prove ourselves trustworthy over time. We have to be consistent. We have to show people that we mean what we say 100% of the time, like Horton. It's an investment. It's a long-term investment with amazing eternal dividends. To be faithful means that you are in it for the long haul. I think that's why we love to celebrate marriages that have survived decades and decades and decades. I think of people like Mr. and, and Mrs. Uh, Mr. Dan and Miss Betty Farr. Last year, about this time, they celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. Seventy years. Now, why does that stir our hearts? Why does that so inspire us and encourage us? It shows us that it's possible. Right? <laughs> that it is doable for a couple to stay committed and faithful to each other for 70 years. You can make it. The same thing happens when we think of people like Mr. Bob Farr, Mr. Dan's brother. Mr. Bob celebrated his 95th birthday last Saturday he is the longest living member of First Baptist Church. He's been a member here for 82 years. That's amazing. Dr. Louise McCommons. Miss McCommons is our oldest church member. And she's been a member here for 78 years. I got to visit with Dr. McCommons the other day. And right now, she's listening on the radio. So let's say hello to, to Dr. McCommons. Hello, Dr. McCommons. 
she and, and many others like her are faithfully listening on the radio right now. And as I visited with Dr. McCommons, she uh, showed me that she gets her bulletin. Um, Mr. Joe takes her bulletin every, every Sunday morning, and she takes that bulletin and she keeps notes. So I don't know if any of y'all out there do that, but I know that Dr. McCommons does. And she is filling up that bulletin right now with notes from this message. You know, it's some amazing faithfulness. Mr. 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 Bob, Dr. McCommons, they have, have long worshipped here and served here and taught or been in Sunday school and served our Sunday school. And, and they've prayed for this church and, and, and they've been faithful members to this church. I think of men and women who have been faithful to serve as deacons and Sunday school teachers or work with our youth and our children or sing in our choir for decade upon decade upon decade. I think of people like Miss Barbara Hopkins, who has worked with preschoolers here at First Baptist Thompson. She's taught preschool Sunday school for 50 some odd years. Over 50 years, and she's worked, she worked in our preschool uh, pretty much the entire span of time that it, it's been around just up until recently. And you can see that cute little girl up there with her. She's a little bit bigger these days. And I know that Miss Barbara has seen a lot of preschoolers go from that to grown adults, and we're thankful for her service. I think of people like Miss Linda Davis, who has played organ and piano for us for at least 25, 25 years as a, as, a, as a staff member on staff playing our organ and our piano. But even before that, she played for youth choir and she filled in and substituted on the organ and the piano. We're thankful for her. I think of our honor deacons like Mr. J.C. Langham, who have been honored for their many, many years of service as a deacon. And I think of, that's him on the left, by the way in case you didn't know. And I think of Mr. John Dyer. Now, Mr. John Dyer passed away recently. In fact, his funeral's tomorrow evening in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And there he's going to be honored for a lifetime of dedicated service to the Lord through music. His 10 years of faithful service and 30-plus years of faithful service for Miss Laverne Melton there, their influence, their impact on so many of you are still felt as they led you and taught you in youth choir and adult choir and helped to form and shape the, the, the worship heritage of our church. I think of these men and women, and I think of others, those of you out there this morning that have been faithful to pray for a lost friend or family member, to never give up on inviting them to church, to take every opportunity to share the gospel with them. The strength of a church is found in the faithfulness of its people. To say, I'm all in, and I'm going to commit to worship and fellowship and serve and make disciples here for the long haul. Faithfulness. You probably know the old Chinese proverb that says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with what? One step. And the journey into faithfulness also begins with some small but very important steps. But first, it begins with two essential questions. I want you to consider these two questions this morning. The first is, where has God been faithful to you? Where has God been faithful to you? In our Old Testament Scripture this morning, Psalm 86.15 says, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. God is compassionate and gracious, which is why He's slow to anger. Why is God slow to anger? Because of His grace and His compassion. 
Because guess what? We're sinners. We miss the mark daily. And that's why God is patient with us. And out of His abounding love, God is faithful to us even when we are unfaithful to Him. Psalm 107.43 says, Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. We need to take time every day to ponder the loving deeds of the Lord, the, the, the ways that God has been faithful to us to consider all of His many good gifts. Because when you look back into the dark and difficult days of your past and you see that God has been with you through it all, when you see that God has never left you, He's never forsaken you, and all of your trials and, tri- and triumphs, God has been there for you. And when you look back on God's faithfulness, it helps you to look ahead with confidence and faith and trust that He's going to be there for you tomorrow. You can trust Him with the question marks of today because you see that He's been there all along. You know, we can do this as a church. In fact, I invite you, I'm asking you to think of the many times that God has been faithful to and through this church. I want you to consider the past successes of ministry at this church. Maybe it's the days of John Dyer for you or when Leonard Dupree was pastor. Maybe it's the day of that big yellow and white tent sat here straddling this road that had been closed as in preparation of the completion of the construction of the new building. Think about your faith journey and how God has used this church to mold and shape you. Think about the times that God through this church has helped to strengthen and guide your family through tough times. I call these our Hall of Fame or our Hall of Faith stories. And I want to ask you to share those with me. Or find a member of our revitalization team and share your Hall of Faith stories with them. Because when we as a church reflect on where God has taken us in the past and what He has seen us through, we can better discern where God's going to lead our church tomorrow. So I ask you to do that, to think of those stories. And please, in the next couple of weeks, share them with me, with Ben, with Matt, with any of the members on our strategic revitalization team. Where has God been faithful to you? Now, the second question is this. Where have you been faithful to God? That one may be a little bit harder to answer. Where have you been faithful to God? Where have you been faithful to take the opportunities to serve that God has put before you? Where have you been faithful in your commitments to do the things that you told God you were going to do? Where have you been faithful to the people that God has placed in your life, to your family? Where have you been faithful to your friends? Where have you been faithful to this community? In Luke 16.10, Jesus is telling a parable And he says this, Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. As we think about this verse, there are two decisions that you and I must make if we want to partner with God's Spirit to develop the virtue of faithfulness. Two very important small steps to begin that thousand-mile journey to faithfulness. And the first step is this. Make a commitment to God's standard. Make a commitment to God's standard. 
What is God's standard? It's right here. It's the Word of God. The Word of God is completely adequate to speak into every area of your life. It outlines God's standard, God's will for your life. Not just for our worship and our experience in church, but for how you deal with conflict, for how you parent, for your marriage, for your business dealings, for every aspect of our life. You name it, God has a standard for it. And we must commit to live our life by God's standard. In just a couple of of arenas here, we need to commit to God's standard in our service. In your service, commit to God's standard. In 1 Samuel 12, 24, it says, Be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things He has done for you. Now, with that verse up there, why should I be faithful in my service to God? Because of the great things He's done for me. Why should I be faithful in my service to God? Because God has been faithful to me. That's why. See, when we live lives of gratitude for the great things that God has done for us, it motivates us to want to attempt great things for Him. We need to be faithful to God's standard in how, where, when, and why we serve. Secondly, we need to be faithful to God's standard in our marriages. In your marriage, be faithful to God's standard. Proverbs 5.15 says, Be faithful to your own wife and give your love to her alone. See, God's standard is for a husband and a wife to be faithful to one another through the good times and the bad. Through rich times and poor times, in sick times and in healthy times, until death do you part. Now, it struck me today as I was thinking about weddings. And it's been a while since I've done a wedding, so I don't know what that says. I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a bunch of them coming around the corner. But I was thinking about weddings. You know, and at a wedding, when that groom is standing right here, he's not looking at that door thinking, man, I sure hope she doesn't show up. <laughs> if you do, we need to talk. That bride, if she's coming down that aisle. She's not walking down that aisle thinking, all right, this isn't going to work out. I give it two weeks. That bride's not thinking that. At a wedding, there is this atmosphere of unbridled hope. Right? At a wedding, there's this hope. There's this expectation. We love each other. We're going to love each other. We're going to pull through. Nothing can, can beat us down. That's the atmosphere of a wedding. But then you get back from the honeymoon and life happens. And that's why the bride and the groom make vows to each other at that wedding. See, a marriage can't survive off the fumes of the wedding. Can't do it. Mr. Dan and Miss Betty, 70 years. That, didn't, that 70 years wasn't built on just the good feelings about that wedding day. They made a commitment to each other. They had a commitment to their vows, a promise to be faithful to each other. That's how you win at marriage. It's to commit to one another, to those vows. That's what helps you overcome the fear and the anxiety and the resentment and the anger and the guilt and the boredom and the stress and the kids. It's that faithfulness to those vows. 
Commit to God's standard in your marriage. Commit to God's standard in your work. I love this passage in Daniel 6, 4. You remember Daniel, he was a, a Jew, but he'd been taken into exile he, to Babylon. But God, you know, he, he was so faithful to God, God elevated him up and he became a, a part of the actual government there. And it says that this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Think about that. Would your co-workers, would your boss be able to give you that kind of endorsement? They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. You know, most of us haven't been as faithful as Daniel in our work, in our relationships, in our worship, in our service to God, in one way or another, pretty much all of us have blown it in some way at some time. So we have to understand that we can't be faithful in and of ourselves. You and I are always going to drop the ball. We're going to miss the mark. We have to rely on God's faithfulness to flow through us. We need to look back at His history of faithfulness and allow Him to be faithful for me, in me and through me. So what do we do then when we drop the ball? What do we do when we miss the mark? What do we do when we fail to be faithful to God's standards? First John 1 John 1.9 tells us, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, we rely on God's faithfulness when we're unfaithful. It is His faithfulness that brought us salvation. It is His faithfulness that forgives us of our sins. It is His faithfulness that gives us a fresh start. Isn't God good? He is faithful to bless us and to do so many good things for us, to give us only the best gifts. And even when we are unfaithful to Him, He is still faithful to us. God is always faithful. Say that with me. God is always faithful. And it is His faithfulness that can put us back on track. When He forgives us our sins, when He cleanses us from even the most wicked deeds we could do. That's what that word unrighteousness means. It's, it's not just you missed the mark. It's not just you didn't, you, you kind of fell short. That means our, our purest, most wicked deeds. When He forgives us and cleanses us of that, we can begin to live lives of faithfulness once more. This morning, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done today. Jesus Christ invites you to step out of the dark shadows of unfaithfulness and into the light of His faithful love. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to give you a new heart and a fresh beginning. And for those of us this morning that are Christians... Already, we know the Lord. We've given our lives to Jesus Christ. But you know what? Even we sometimes need to lean back into His faithfulness again. Even we can get off track in how faithful we live out the gospel. 1 John 1, 9 isn't a one-time deal. It's not something you just do one time and you're good to go. We need to daily confess our sins and our unfaithfulness. We need to daily receive His forgiveness and His grace. We need to every day... 
embrace the faithfulness of God and pray for Him to produce His faithfulness in us daily. Maybe this morning you've, you have been faithful. Maybe this morning you can all say, you know what, I've been faithful in my marriage. I've been faithful as a parent. I've been faithful in serving this church. But you're tired. You're tired. Maybe you've grown weary. Maybe your marriage has been like a Tennessee football game. And you just want to know, like that linebacker last week in that Florida game, why should I even go back on the field? I'm just going to sit it out on the sidelines. You know, it's just bad play after bad play. It's, it's you know, turnover after turnover. You don't feel like you're ever going to win. Don't quit. Maybe you've read all the parenting books and you've been to all the classes and seen all the counselors and things just don't seem to get any better and you're at the end of your rope. And you don't know what to do with that rebellious son or that wayward daughter or that difficult preschooler. Don't give up. Maybe you've been serving this church faithfully for decades and you're tired. You feel like you've done your time. You feel like you're not young enough. You're not agile enough. You're not whatever enough. Don't quit. Go back to God's standard. Ask Him to be faithful through you. Pray for His strength and patience, and wisdom, and peace, and joy to flow through you in your marriage, in your parenting, in your service, at your job. Don't give up. God's standard is for us to be faithful in every area of our lives. And we must commit to that. Jesus died for us. Jesus was faithful on the cross for us in those times that we aren't faithful to Him so that He could get us back on track. Y'all, that's good news. And no matter where you are in life, no matter how many times you've blown it before today, you can be faithful. You just have to do this second step. You have to start with what's right in front of you. Just start with what's right in front of you. That's the next slide there, Micah. Don't delay. Don't delay. Don't say, you know what? I'll be faithful when I graduate from high school. I'll be faithful when I get out of college. I'll be faithful when I get married. No, there's no waiting to be faithful. Start today. Commit right now to be faithful. In Luke 16.10 it said, Whoever can be trusted with very little, with very little, can be trusted with much. Be faithful with what God has given you right now. Even if you think it's very little. I want, to, I want to conclude with three areas in which we need to be faithful. If nothing else, you can start being faithful in, in these three areas. The first is we can be faithful with our resources. We all have resources, don't we? All of us do. Now, we may not have as many resources as what we want, Right? That's the thing. We always want more resources. I want more money. I want more clothes. I want a bigger house. I want a faster car. I want a better boat. I want whatever. We sure do want a lot of stuff, don't we? But we all have something. How faithful are you with what God has entrusted to you now? Right now. 
how well are you doing with what you have today? Don't worry about what you don't have. How are you doing with what God has given you? My dad always taught me to pay two people first. Before I spend another dime, there's two people I should pay. God and myself. And what I meant by that is I need to give to God first, and I need to put something aside into savings, and then I, I've got the rest to do with as I please. And I've since heard that referred to as the 10-10-80 plan. And Dave Ramsey talks about this as well. And the idea is we give 10% to God. That's the tithe. That comes off right at the top. You give 10% through the church to the Lord. And then the next 10% you put into savings. And you, you're kind of paying your future self. That leaves you with 80%. 80% to live on and to enjoy and to pay your bills and to be generous with. 80%. Now, of course, this is the bare minimum. I mean, God wants us to give away far more than just a dime out of every dollar, doesn't He? And that, that 10% is just the beginning of obedience. And when we give beyond that, when we give beyond that 10% of obedience, we're truly giving out of love. We're really giving sacrificially. We're really being generous at that point because we're giving out of that 80%. The same is true for savings. We should really save more than just 10%. But we should start with what's right in front of us. Maybe that means you start by saving 5%. And you build up to 10 And then maybe you're able to save even more, 15 20%. If you're not giving to God at all right now, then just start at 5%. Start at 7%. Work yourself up over the next year or two to 10%. But I'll tell you this, giving 10% will bless you more than you realize. In fact, the only place in all of Scripture that God tells us to test Him in something is in Malachi 3.10 when He says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, y'all, God isn't about raising money. That's not what the tithe is about. God isn't about raising money. It's all His anyway, right? It's all His. He owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all His. God's not about raising money, but God is about raising up His children. And God wants to raise us up to be faithful. God wants to raise us up to trust Him in the little things. The tithe is about raising us to trust in Him and to be faithful to Him far more than it's about just funding the work of the church. Not that that's not important. But it's, it does something to us when we're faithful. We need to be faithful with our resources. Secondly, we need to be faithful with our responsibilities. God has given all of us opportunities to serve Him to help others, to bear witness to Christ. And, and, and nobody, listen, nobody starts out as Billy Graham. Even Billy Graham didn't start out as Billy Graham, right? I mean, he, he, didn't, he just wasn't born, I'm Billy Graham, right? He, he, he grew to become the person we know of as Billy Graham. I think about David in the Bible, the, the greatest king that Israel ever knew. He was called a man after God's own heart. He wrote most of the Psalms. He ushered in Israel's golden era. He was used by the prophets as a model for the kind of man the Messiah was going to be. Jesus himself when he was going to come. The son of David. David was an important man. But David started out as the runt of his family. 
When Samuel came looking for the king from the sons of Jesse, they didn't even bother to bring David in from the field. But he was the man, this shepherd boy, was the man that God wanted to be king. Why? Because David was faithful to tend his father's flock, and God knew he'd be faithful to tend his flock, to become the king of Israel. Because he was faithful in the little things, God made him responsible for many things. You know, not, not at all to elevate myself up to the point of David, but I thought about sort of our shared experience. And I came here in 2001 as the youth minister. And, and I, I was down at the warehouse, and, and God put me in charge of, of, of chasing after a flock of sheep. Sheep, And I'm not talking about the drive-through nativity sheep that broke out my first year here that I had to chase around town. That, that's a real story. That happened. I thought, man, they didn't, they didn't train me in seminary for this. When they told me I was going to shepherd a flock, that's not what I thought. But, you know, I made plenty of mistakes, don't get me wrong. And this church has proved to be a very patient church. But if I hadn't been faithful to the Lord and to those teenagers at the warehouse, if I hadn't been faithful to this church for those, those 11 plus years, I wouldn't be standing here today as your pastor today. God was preparing me and He was preparing us for this. And I'm grateful. I'm thankful for that. What about you? Where has God put you today? What responsibilities has He placed in front of you? Think about that. Think about what you're responsible for right now. At work? At home? At church? And I want to challenge you to be faithful in that, no matter what it is. No matter how small it may seem to you, no matter how insignificant or mundane it may seem to you, no matter how unnoticed your work may go, you may be tending sheep today, but who knows what God has in store for you tomorrow. And parents, parents, we have a unique opportunity to begin to train our children to be responsible for, for, for things, to be faithful in their responsibilities. So as Ben said, you know, to the kids, moms and dads, look for things, small things you can put in front of your children to make them responsible for and, and recognize them when they're faithful in that. When they are faithful to make their bed or to set the table or to feed the pets or, or whatever it is to change the channels for you. Although that's not as big a deal anymore, is it? I don't know about you. I remember sitting on the floor in front of the TV changing the channels for my parents. But whatever you have your kids do, encourage them to be faithful. And recognize them for that. And finally, we need to be faithful in the little things in our relationships. In our relationships, we need to do and say those little things that matter. You know, when I became a parent, it gave a whole new meaning to that Luke 16.10 passage. Because when you have a baby, everything you do is the little stuff, right? I mean, you're changing diapers, you're burping, you're, you're bathing them in the sink. How many of you, you know, you bathe your kids in the sink, right? Yeah. You know, it's little things. It's feeding them. It's rocking them. It's the little stuff. Singing to them. But they don't stay little very long, do they? And that responsibility to hold and rock them suddenly becomes the responsibility of chasing them down the hallway and stopping them before they get to the door and make a bolt for it, right? Out into the yard. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've got kids right there. And suddenly, suddenly before you know it, you're responsible for teaching them to read and making sure they've done their homework. And building a paper mache volcano for them for the science fair tomorrow. 
And then you're teaching them to drive. And you're checking on who their friends are. And you're helping them pick a college. See, as they get older, our responsibilities get bigger, don't they? And when you're faithful in those little things as a baby, it equips you and them, and it helps you to be better responsible for those bigger things down the road. So no matter this morning where your children are or your grandchildren are, start being faithful right now, right here. Ask the Spirit to lead you to make wise choices, to be faithful in those little things in your family. You know, most marriages don't fail because somebody was unfaithful in the big things, right? I mean, most marriages don't fail because of an affair. Most marriages fail because people aren't being faithful in those little things. Those little daily things that help to build a marriage and make it happy and healthy. That's where we must focus. Just a few verses after our Fruit of the Spirit passage. Just a few verses in the next chapter, in Galatians 6, 9, Paul writes this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up. Don't quit. Last week we talked about being, doing good deeds for the glory of God. Don't forget that those good works don't have to be big, audacious things done for God. They can be. But oftentimes the good works we do for God's glory are the little things. Let's not grow weary in being faithful to do the small, everyday good things. You may not understand today the impact they're going to have. You may not understand today how important what you're doing is. That's why we have to be faithful in it. And if we're faithful in these little things, if we don't give up, Paul says we're going to reap a harvest. Now Jesus tells us that the harvest we're going to reap is a harvest of happiness and joy. Jesus says in Matthew 25, 21, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Don't we all want to stand before Jesus someday and hear those words? He doesn't say that because we're perfect. He didn't say, you're perfect, you never made a mistake. He didn't say, you know what, you had your life all together. You had no problems. No. He said you were faithful. Not successful. Not perfect. Faithful. Are you faithful in the little things? You know, before you can share in your master's happiness... Jesus first has to be your master. The first step somebody here today needs to make is just to come and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, He has proved Himself faithful. He is deserving of your trust. And maybe this morning you come today and for the first time in your life just say, you know what, I have blown it. I've lived a life of sin and unfaithfulness and I need God to forgive me. I need Jesus to save me and to change me from the inside out. This morning I invite you to come and to experience how good and faithful God is to you today. Maybe this morning God has led you or your family to unite with this church. This is the church that you know God wants you to commit to. To plant your flag, to say, this is where I'm going to grow and worship and serve. I'm going to be all in here. I'm going to be faithful to this church. Maybe this morning you're going to come and say, this is where God has called me to faithfully worship and serve. And for the rest of us this morning, and I don't think there's a person in this room that this doesn't apply to, where in your life do you need to recommit to being faithful? 
What area of your life, what relationship do you need to lean back in to the faithfulness of God, to let His faithfulness flow through you? Maybe this morning you need to come and pray and just recommit your life to being faithful at work, to being faithful in the choir, to being faithful in Sunday school, to being faithful in your marriage, to being more faithful as a parent, to do the hard work of raising up those children to know and fear the Lord. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we love You, and we are so thankful for Your faithful love to us that when we blow it, when we get so distracted and wrapped up in ourselves, when we get lazy and frustrated and fed up and, and we aren't as faithful to You, God, You never give up on us. Father, I pray for the people here this morning that need to hear that message, that need to either give their life to You, they need to recommit themselves to being faithful, they need to unite with this church family, God, whatever it is, I pray they would be obedient and respond in faith. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Would you stand? Would you sing? As a church, we need to rise up. We need to commit to being faithful to God here in this community to carry out the Great Commission. And you come and respond as God leads you today.